And thank you so much for joining us once again. It is the Nightly Pleasures Podcast, episode number 53. I am your host, the Grey Knight. And before we get started today, I just wanted to say thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's rated or reviewed the podcast on iTunes. It really helps a lot more than I can say. And a couple of you have done that recently. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. On to the big news. Guys, it's finally here. The first erotic novel, The Sun, The Girl, and Goodbye. It's on Amazon. You can find information on it on the blog. You can find a link to it here in the description. Ah, it's a big, big day, and it's an emotional day. And thank you to everybody who is so patient, so encouraging. Uh, Of course, to listeners of this podcast, knowing that I had to take some time away from it to get it done. And it's done. It's an experience. It's on sale now. The Kindle edition is only $2.99. You can also get it in paperback. And yes, audiobook is coming sometime in March, guys. I don't have control over exactly when that releases, but the audiobook will release sometime in March. I will tell you about it on the podcast. It will be me reading it. And, of course, that's also very exciting as well. So, the first novel, it's done. All these short stories, all these podcast episodes, and now the first of hopefully many uh, novels and and novellas to come. But, what good does it do to talk about it when I can read as it, frankly? So, the rest of this podcast is simply dedicated to reading a chapter from this piece... I hope that is not too grandiose, and yes, we're going to get right into it. There's no questions today. There's only the music to take us out. So, without further ado, I bring you a chapter from my recently released book, The Sun, The Girl, and Goodbye. I truly hope you enjoy it. Chapter 16 He opens the door. The private train car seems like something from antiquity, like something he might have seen once in a black-and-white picture that bespoke of a more opulent time. Plush, heavy silk adorns the pillows sewn into the seats, and the entire room, as it were, is furnished to be as red as the setting sun. There is a harsh, satisfying click of the metal, and the door closes behind him. The girl almost sheepish in her disposition. She gives a small smile, mixed with a grimace, as if to say, I did not intend for it to be that loud, before she moves to the seat next to him and slinks down in it. Fatigued and weary, and in some degree of pain, even now clearly nervous and fretting about the trip home to the mystified place of her birth, even now, she is lovely. Perfect, is a word too kind for her to accept, but lovely stood a chance. He locks the door and falls into his seat beside her. It isn't a moment later before she leans her head against his shoulder and he disturbs it to reach an arm around her neck. I'm tired, she says, with no invitation for more conversation, just the top of her head brushing against his neck and the slow, methodical stretch of someone bound for sleep. His arm constricts around her to urge her in, and soon the hot breath of sleep brushes over his skin in measured beats. 
The view outside the window is majestic. He had forgotten what it was like to travel without a screen to look at at any given time. Yes, on occasion, he'd look out the airplane or train window on his travels, but only as a sort of last resort or because of a fleeting peak of interest, never because he truly wanted to see just what was out there. His mind had constructed an image of this world before he had arrived. Deserts and camels, and women wearing vases filled with water on their heads. And even after that had been dashed by nightclubs and neon lights, and bars so well stocked they looked like advertisements, even then, after his thoughts had been dashed into minuscule pieces, he still clung to them like they were the truth, just waiting, just hiding. The land should have been arid and nothing else. The sun so hot that it melted everything to sand and was only merciful when it didn't turn the sand to glass. And yet, that is not at all what he saw. There were mountains whose tops broke out of the sand and reached into the sky where their peaks were covered with snow. There were valleys next to azure rivers that were sometimes teeming with green vegetation, sometimes painted with yellows and oranges, but always filled with life. There were stretches even far in the distance of lilacs blooming, of aloe plants, of palm trees. There was life everywhere here he looked, and between each stretch of it, another city that looked another way, filled with other people who, he hoped, were happy, even if all they saw was a stranger. And he was just that, a stranger. He could see it in their eyes. Some were gleeful in their attempts to hawk their wares at him through the window. Others were curious, and some, as always, downright hostile in their glances, their praising glares telling him that he was somehow, in their estimation, still wanting. But what did it matter when he could turn to her and kiss her on her crown, stroke her bare arm and help guide her to sleep after she woke for a moment or two when the train stopped and started again? What did anything matter if she was close enough to touch? His hand slides up and down the nakedness of her arm, swims over the construction of her clothed shoulders, and back to the splendor of her open neck. It is an innocent touch, at least at first, designed to simply express his adoration and desire for this woman. Then, a single moan from her still sleepy lips changes his goals. She is irresistible, even now. Especially now. Now that she lays her head against him in such an utterly intimate way. That's what she did for him, isn't it? When she let go of all the fight and struggle and simply lay against him, now or in the middle of the night, that's the thought he couldn't let go of. So he runs his hands through her hair, over her skin, over her lips, until she opens her eyes with only the faintest hint of irritation. Who has summoned me? She asks with a croaking voice. You're a genie now? Well, I grant your wishes, don't I? She yawns and smiles, though it is subdued. How 
long have I been out? A few hours. It's hard to tell time in here. She looks to the sky and then nods back to him. It is. She stretches and yawns and claps her lips together in a way that is utterly inelegant. And that's when he has to kiss her. He felt her push away at his shoulder and, when he obeys it and breaks the kiss, she gives him a look that states without irony that he was silly for listening to it. Then she pulls him back in and they kiss again. It lasts a bit too long and turns into a deeper kiss, a deeper need. Her hand plays with his thigh and, just barely, makes contact with his cock through his jeans. The monster in him wants to take her hand and push it down all the way, slide his tongue so deeply into her mouth it invades her throat and growl all the while. But the monster is tired. She's wearing it out, and instead only waits for her to continue the slide of her fingers as she touches more and more of him until she finally reaches his zipper. That's when he moves his lips from hers to her ear and mutters lowly, I don't want your mouth or your hand if you start this. I'm not starting anything. That's all she replies as she flips his zipper up and down like a light switch. You're too confident to be so coy. I'm coy because I am so confident. She tisks and then laughs, tucking at the zipper just enough that it opens a few of its metal teeth. It is enough of an opening to make his cock swell, to feel the difference in the temperature, to hope for more like he always does. It is enough to make him move his hand to the back of her neck to hold her still long enough to kiss up and down her neck, to kiss her ear. I thought, he said between the assaults, that you were afraid of getting caught, of me being thrown in jail. I'm losing you either way. She continues to tug his zipper down at an agonizing pace. To an airplane, to a jail sale, if you want to risk it, it's the same to me. You don't have to lose me. Just ask me to stay. She pulls back from his firm grasp in such a way that he knows to let her break it. Then she looks at him with a kind of hurt and shock, a how-dare-you-faintly-calling from her eyes. For a moment, he wonders which version of her will rise to the top now, if she will demand that they return, if she will walk off the train, and if he'll ever see her again. Instead, she zips all the way down, moving her fingers through the cotton of his underwear, and pulls his cock out. Hard as it is, he wonders only for a second how she does it so deftly before her hand begins to pump him up and down. It is against the rules to say that. Break another, and I will abandon you where you stand. Before he can reply, she kisses him so harshly that his head slams against the headrest, unable to stop her coming forward. 
His hands find her hips and instinctively pull her to him, down on him, to get as much of her body on his as possible. With a flash, her long, dark skirt is pulled up, and a hand disappears inside it. Another moment, and he can feel the wet, wounded edge of her pussy pushing against his cock. All he can do is look in her eyes, a prisoner, and she seems to know it. Her hips begin to rise and fall just enough so that she paints the underside of his cock with her wetness in long, full strokes. She hisses as she does, a kind of pain evident in every thrust, lessening with every repetition, until she only grits her teeth as she paints his cock. Finally, she allows him to use his hands to pull her closer to him, down against him, with each roll of her hips. Tears well in her eyes, her hair shimmies from front to back with each pull and push of her body. And she is a marvel, a statue brought to life. When she pushes her pussy over the crown of his cock, he thinks for a second it must be a mistake and stops his pull down on her hips. But she only puts her hands on his and gives a begging look, and he knows just what she is asking for as she does. One single hard pull, one loud pained cry out through grit teeth, and he is nearly fully inside her. And that's when she shifts. One of her hands finds his chest, the other the back of his head, as she begins to rock, roll, and push her hips like she's exercising a demon. The pain is obvious, but the desire is more so. In each twist, in every push, her large wet eyes, filled with tears from the thrust before, gaze into his. The tremors, the constrictions inside her, from the pain, from the pleasure, from the urgency, all make him want to rise up and meet her. He thrusts his hips up and lays his head back at as much of a slant as he can, and encourages her to take as much of his cock inside her as she is able. And she does, easily, gratefully, and with spite, sliding down him now with an even greater desperation, and soon he feels it. His hands move from her waist to the small of her back to balance and brace her. His teeth gnash and nibble at her breasts as they swing out with every single push. He is an animal for her, maybe less. Totally in her snare and not wanting to be anywhere else, not being able to even imagine it. Every push of her, every moan, all of it seems to take away another image he holds so clearly about L.A., about him, about the land he was in. Her scent alone makes him forget where he grew up and what it was like to be there. She is it. She is all he needs. The risk. The passion. He knows not every man could get it from her. And thus gives into it himself. 
instead of trying to be the perfect man, the perfect fuck, the thing she needs more than anything, he simply tilts his head back and lets her take him over, push by push, slide by slide, the wet sounds of her being penetrated in a hot, increasing rhythm. This is it. This is everything. Or at least it is before she comes, easy and quick and loud, like there is no pain at all. His eyes look into hers and hers back into him. And the feeling of her pussy tightening even further in that moment is more than he can bear. So they come together, her fully clenching down on his cock, both her fists and his gripping as much of him as possible, both trying to make sure that he is as deep inside her as he can be. His cum springs into her as deep as it can go. They hold each other close. The only sounds are of the train rolling over the tracks and the entirety of their luggage, bouncing up and down with each shift. And somewhere, deep within that, a cell phone that he had neglected to turn off. And that is a chapter. I hope you enjoyed it. One last time, that is from The Sun, The Girl, and Goodbye, my first erotic novel. You can find it for sale on Kindle or in paperback right now on Amazon. Every purchase is, of course, greatly appreciated, but reviews for both this uh, podcast and either edition of those are also greatly, greatly appreciated. It is scary. It is humbling. It is the first step in a new series of ventures, and I thank you so much for being a part of it. That is going to do it for this week. We will be back next Thursday, like clockwork. It has been a lot of fun. You can find more information about the book, about me, by simply searching Grey Night Erotica. You can either put a .com on the end of that and go to my website, or join the blog on Tumblr where there's lots and lots of fun posts. Thank you again, and I will see you next Thursday. And no matter what, because there's a lot of anxiety going on out there right now, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your